What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we are reading Hands-On Chaos Magic, Reality Manipulation Through the Ovaki Current by Andrea Vidimus. And this book came out in 2021. Freaking new books. New books. So I guess this year, Witch in Time is right now. Witch in yeah. Current Time. Oh, gross. Oh my god. Okay, so remember when we were talking about um like in the future, like the like if our reincarnated selves were like listening to this and then this is like we're like, oh these are modern people and it's like actually this was a uh, hundred years ago. <laughs> okay, this is gonna be funny because I was thinking about this driving home from work mm-hmm. the other day, I was like, Yeah, so I wonder if like, we will know each other. Mm-hmm. And then, like, will we discover this? I think it would be really cool if we came back and we were like, whatever. Like, but little together. And we discovered this when we were, like, 10 years old. You know how, like, you get to mm-hmm. a certain age, especially girls. Like, girls, like, at 10 and years old. And you start old. doing magic. Yeah, 100%. Well, I don't mean doing magic. But, I mean, you get, like, super curious about so many things, you know? I feel no, yeah, like... Uh-huh. I was constantly reading and I was constantly, so that's the age that I could see us like, maybe not 10, but like 11, 12. I'm just saying before we're teenagers and we discover this thing. And of course, when you're a kid and you discover stuff, you feel like nobody else has ever done this. Like you are, mm-hmm. and basically you're not. Ever. Yeah, you're yeah. not. You're Christopher Columbus, right? Discovering something that has already been there, you know? <laughs> so okay. every- But like in a nice way, because you're 12. So like, it's not your fault. Right. You know, but every preteen thinks, I just yeah. discovered blank. And then you haven't. And I feel like that's when it's going to happen. Like, we're going to be like super young when it happens. That would be fun. Yeah, it would be fun. And of course, we're not going to have the podcast to be able to come. Ooh, I wonder if if when we hear this, this is what triggers us to think that it could be us. Or will we never be triggered to know? Okay, so anyway, um, okay, tell back me to the about book. Andrea Vidimus, because I can't think about this right now. Okay, so the first thing I want to go into is well, the bio. So yes. basically, he's a practicing magician and he's been practicing for over 15 years. So 16 years, 17 yeah. years, because this was 2021. Um, and he's been practicing in multiple systems. So Haitian voodoo. He's taught metaphysical classes at Alchemy Arts in Chicago. He's a Reiki master, which makes sense because there's parts in here where I'm like, I totally get this. I totally get the whole Reiki thing. And he's been published in multiple magazines and anthologies. So this guy knows his stuff. Now, the book starts out with a list of exercises, 110 exercises to be exact. And the first thing I think before we even dive into the quote um, is that this book is meant to be a workbook. This book is in no means, and he says it, just, that you're supposed to go from cover to cover reading it. So the way we read it is not the way you're supposed to read it. But of course, for the podcast, for us to go through all of the exercises and then come on, this would be like a year seven book, I think. At yeah, that point. we would never finish it. Because yeah. we the podcast that came out right before this is our annotations where we snitch on ourselves and admit that like we don't always finish the books. This is like a 400 page book. So there was yeah. no way on God's green earth that we were even going to be able to cover the entire thing, let alone give like each exercise the time that they deserve for us to deepen our own practice. Like this is a hefty book. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just a thing to note. Now, before we keep going, I will say I have been trying to not hold on to books that I know I'm not going to come back to. Yeah. Um, but this is a book that I am, I, I, I want to say this is going to be my summer book. This is the book that I want to use as like a workbook for my summer. And I don't know if we've ever talked about that with summer reading, but it's something that I like to do for my practice because one, we have the summer off. Two, we don't get paid. So you kind of want to do things at home instead of going yeah. out every day, which is because that costs money. And I always try to do something for my practice that I feel is going to enhance it, that's going to help me be a better version of myself. And I feel like this is the book that I'm using this summer. This is yeah. what I'm going to do. I want. Will I finish all the exercises by the end of the summer? I doubt it. Because like you said, this is a hefty book. It's and big. I think... You're going to do a disservice and your self-disservice if you think, okay, I got two weeks. I'll do all the exercises. No, yeah, give no yourself way. the time because he definitely tells you that. So, And even like he tells you to do the exercises multiple times. Yes. The only thing that kind of bugs me and as we get into it, we can talk about it. He talks a lot about working with a partner. And I'm not saying that my husband wouldn't help me or that you and I couldn't get together and do this. Yeah. But then that limits the amount of time that you could do these exercises because if I have to wait for him to come home from work or for you and I to set up some time to do yeah. exercises, like that would just take forever. So, but if you're like, uh-oh, you know, then that means I can't do this book because I don't have a friend or somebody who's going to help me do these exercises. I think there are ways to do these exercises by yourself for Absolutely. sure. So, you know, we're going to talk about them. I think ideally he wants you to have a partner because he does a lot of visualization and like, you know, object work. So if you're supposed to like have your eyes closed and like grab something, well, you need a partner to go, boop, here you go. Like, here's the thing, you know. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. But OK, so the quote, because we start with a quote. And it's right in chapter one, which is called Disclaimer, Warnings, Definitions and Other Oddities of Writing, which I really like the title yeah. of that chapter. So it says, in this book, I will present methodologies and example workings that may give you the tools to answer that question for yourself, not via a book answer, quote unquote, but from your own intuition. And I really like that because we're all about doing the work. And that's what that quote is telling you. Like, I'm going to give you the tools to do that. But the answers are going to come from yourself. Like once you yeah. do the exercises, you're going to have answers. He's the expert that tells you if you do this, you're going to get an answer. But how you get the answer or what the answer is, that's going to be up to the individual. And you're going to have to be responsible for journaling these things and keeping track of them and then deciding when you want to move forward. And I really like that because especially when you're talking about non-beginner books, even if this is your first foray into chaos magic, I think we've already said previously, you shouldn't be an inexperienced witch and say, I'm going to do chaos magic now, right? So you already know something about something. Yeah. So do you really want a book that tells you, here's a spell, here's how you do We don't even gravitate towards those books anymore at a certain point. So this is not that book. So if you're feeling like, oh, I don't want something told to me, this is perfect because it really is all about you. And I, before we start talking about, like, the logistics, um, truly, personally, like, I, I remember sending you a text message being like, oh, I hate chaos magic. Like, I'm not excited to read this book. Yes. This book 
um, truly made me reevaluate my opinions on chaos magic because I think part of the problem with chaos magic is that a lot of times like the premise is good but the community is bad and so like I've met a number of chaos magicians who just were like edgy shit lords who just wanted to be cool and like I didn't have time for that this book this book really I guess clarifies what chaos magic is in a really not only understandable way but in a way that makes you kind of like feel bad for (laughs) for hating chaos magic in the past um i need chaos magic to have like a rebrand because this shit is amazing like i would love more witches to read this um, and I understand, like, some of you might be hearing about it and be like, oh, I've also met some shitty chaos magicians. Yeah, you know what? Shitty people are everywhere. You should read this book, even if you normally are like, ah, oh, chaos magic is for losers. It's not. It's definitely not. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think this might be the book to change it. Now, Yeah. you know, I hate to say that and then have somebody DM us or email us and say, well... I found out that the author, we don't know anything else about yeah, this guy. I don't know. Other than man. what was there. <laughs> so if you do know something, yes, I guess you can let us know. We hope that there's nothing. Um, but yeah. Because <laughs> I was going to yeah, say, this is crossed. the book that's going to change it. Yeah, fingers crossed. But this could be the book that changes it. And yeah, I think it's just something else that we might want to think about embracing. Even if you say to yourself, well, I'm not interested in being a chaos magician. I think the exercises in here just help you be a better witch, period. Like, I don't even think you have to be going into this as I want to be a magician. I want to, you know, so things to think about. So when we talked about annotations, we talked about the fact that we like really close read, especially the beginnings of the book. And that's really sort of how I approached chunking this massive text as well. Um, Because those first, you know, five chapters are really kind of a little bit review, right? If you're an experienced witch, these are definitely review, but they're also, how do I even want to say this? It's like, there's a scientific aspect to it, but it's really easy to understand. So it feels analytical without being unapproachable. And that I really appreciated. So like his discussion in the disclaimers about, you know, what are some good reasons to do magic? What are some bad reasons? Why does this book have the word Oviki in it? That's a spell. Yeah. Right? That's him including a spell in the name of the book. And I think it gives you a great context. Just that section on like why does the book have the word Oviki in it as to what this book is going to be for you. It's not just, okay, here's here's the here's my textbook. Although it is, I think, a, a, it could be a textbook. You could teach a course on yeah. this. Yeah. It's also going to be, here is... Um, Vitimus, Vitimus. Here is Andrea's experiences. Here are some methods that might be useful to you. And here are some things that might have just sprung out of the void, but are useful and repeatable. And that's what matters. Yeah. You know, when you said there might be some things here that you recognize as a, you know, as a witch, I think he has to go there as a starting point and also to set the stage for you might know this, but you don't. In other words, yeah. you know what you know, how you do it. But now yeah. let's look at some terms that you are familiar with. I may use the same terms. I may change the way I say things because now we're looking at it from a magician's perspective. 
This is yeah. really all about, especially for witches. I mean, I shouldn't say this because I just said that it's not for new witches, really. But this whole idea of like, ah, oh, so where's the magic? Okay, so it's here. Yeah. But he uses a term that I really liked, and that's personal alchemy. This idea that what you're really changing is yourself. And through yeah. this change in yourself, you are going to get results when you do practice magic. And it's very like, I'm I'm looking at chapter two now. Um, and this is like the first time in, chap- in chapter two is where I was like, oh, I actually love this. Wait, I lied. I love this. Because, you know, he explains to us something we've heard in a couple texts before, you know, you have to you have to have time, right? You can't buy into American culture and grind, grind, grind and get instant gratification and then do magic. But his method for helping remove yourself from that is he calls it the throwing salt over your shoulder game. And like, boom, brain, brain blast. People throw salt over the shoulders all the time. That's already a present superstition in most people's lives. And then to say, all right, fuck it, take that and use it, right? You're already doing this thing, probably. Utilize it in another way, right? And make it a game. It's not, yes, it's a practice. Yes, it's an exercise, but it's also a game. It's supposed to be fun. You know, he also says that 30 minutes a day, you can take to do these exercises, which he says everybody has. And then he also gives you examples of places you can do it. Like you said, throwing salt over your left shoulder in the shower. Even if you want to eliminate something, you could do it on the toilet. Mm-hmm. Like use the dumb mundane things that you do that are kind of like, all right, you know, this takes how many minutes or whatever. You can do some magic. You can do some time to like reevaluate how you see things. So I thought that was pretty cool. I liked his reference. He goes, I have a Christian witch friend who would simply wash her hands for an extended period of time right after work. And like, I sing a little song. I go, washing your hands is a devotional act while I wash my hands. And that's like a thing that I do. So it was it was cute to like see that referenced as well as to be like, yeah, here you go. You, you, you got two minutes. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Here's your here's your magic time. I also see washing my hands as a shift in space. Mm-hmm. right you get home from work I mean I completely shift I change my clothes and you then have home like clothes? I have home clothes I yeah. respect it you don't have home clothes really sometimes I have home clothes okay sometimes I don't have home clothes my sister and my mother are really big on home clothes they're like I love you come home, home clothes you change sometimes you you got I'm busy I got stuff to do I don't have time to change into home clothes well, if I'm going out again, if I have something to do, yeah. I'm not going to change. But if I'm like, I'm thinking like parent teacher conference, like I come home, I'm not going to change for yeah. two hours to then leave again. But if I'm home, no, that's it. And like on the weekends, if I am not and I don't count walking the dog as going out, like I, you will see me however you see me when I'm walking the dog, because <laughs> if preach. I'm not if I'm not going out after that, like I'm not getting yeah. gussied up to walk the no, dog. Agreed. So you know, I will go out in my home clothes. Like, my neighbors have seen my home clothes. But, yeah, they are literally... I'm in my home clothes right now. Like, this is just how... And they're usually stained with Clorox. Because when it. I'm cleaning... Yeah, it's like I try to be really careful, but it gets everywhere. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's a shift. You know, going into home clothes, washing your hands. Um, that is like... For me, it's like the day is past. That part of my day is over. So... When you do little things like that with intention, yeah. it just helps, you know? And Other speaking things. of things with intention, 
chapter three is all about breathing. <laughs> I was just going to say that, yeah. And I lo- this right at the beginning of that chapter, he hits me with another brain blast talking about the idea of like yin meditation versus yang meditation. Yeah. And that is, first of all, not something that I had even heard of or considered. Um, right now I'm listening to like audible great courses on Buddhism and then like general religious knowledge. So like I'm learning about Chinese um, cosmology and all that sort of stuff. So it was it was well-timed. But like I never would have considered the fact like we talked on the podcast. Oh, yeah, there's all these different types of meditation, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, never really thought about like meditation as um, an active like a tool versus meditation as a relaxation technique that like categorizing them in two different ways. And I think when you do that, sometimes it makes it easier to find time to meditate because you can say, all right, well, I'm. I'm you know me probably I'm very young I'm like very I'm just making a hand motion that no one can see on the podcast that was useless I'm very like um you know active forward uh you know air quotes masculine finding time to do yang meditations will be so much easier for me to work into my schedule than finding time to do yin meditations which are more relaxing more calm quote unquote feminine because I have so much anxiety throughout my day those are the only kind of meditations that I do if it's not about relaxing me I never considered breathing techniques to get me like up and going for me Mm -hmm. it's all about you know calming myself down and then going into a deep meditation where I can just relax so you know he he's named like six five or six different breathing styles and one of them is Lamaze yes yeah which I loved. I was like, oh, yeah, that it's dumb that only pregnant women use this. Like, you, we could definitely try to use that for other stuff. Okay, so I was surprised when I saw it because I was like, oh, that's like the birthing breathing. Did yeah. you use it? Did you go to a Lamaze class? No, no. I didn't go to shit. Okay. I didn't do shit. <laughs> I didn't do so, shit. Here you are going, see? And then and I'm like, so did you do it? Nah, not me. Oh, okay. I mean, listen, I the, we we don't have to talk about giving birth but that was a that was a shit show so okay don't worry Um, about that he also has hyper hyperventilation on there which i always thought was bad breathing like you shouldn't hyperventilate right you want to stop people from hyperventilating that is so funny because i did highlight um he says i do not recommend practicing this type of breathing for more than 15 minutes and i was like 15 minutes is a long time my guy yeah (laughs) that's too many so then we but go then he, from... Go ahead. He's not wrong, though, that, like, hyperventilating would put you into an, uh, another state. Yeah. Like, you, Absolutely. you can use it. I don't suggest you use it, but you can use it. Yeah. And then from breathing, we go to chapter four, which is body positions to help yes. with these breathing techniques from sitting still or kneeling or lying still, um, random dance. Okay, so that I really liked. Yeah, it's one of those moments in the book where I, like, put a little sticky note that there's nothing written on it because it's one of those things I want to try but did not get to try because I'm reading the book for the podcast. Okay, so one thing about me, I love to dance. Like, I really love to dance. And I never dance. See, I don't love to dance. I don't listen to music. So, I like, that's my problem. I mean... 
maybe in the summer I'll dance like alone in my house, but I never go anywhere to dance. Mm-hmm. You know, last year when I went to Viva, I was learning how to like jive, and it's something that really bothers me because it's something I really want to do because mm-hmm. I love to dance. So the whole idea of like dancing for breathing techniques, it just makes a lot of sense. And I just think, again, it's one of those things that we do. So how can we do it to benefit us? How can we do it to change us from one state to another? And then chapter five is when we start getting into, I think, what we expect from these books. So enhancing your sensory perception. Quote right from the beginning of that chapter, the same neural pathways fire if we are working with a memory, an imagined situation, or a real situation. Love that. And I do think that's kind of what I expect from chaos magic is to sort of bring in chaos. I had to Google it. I did a lot of Googling to Mm -hmm. like be sure I understood how chaos magic worked because I did come in with some preconceived notions. And so like when you hit the Wikipedia, chaos magic is sort of utilizing psychological techniques. Um... It's the power of belief itself. And so you can, as long as you can convince yourself to believe things, they will work. And so this sentence here, I think, gives you the psychological underpinning, right? Like it doesn't, if it's not real, that's fine. Your brain's still braining the same way. Um, So when it comes to enhancing your sensory perception, what I like about these chapters is that they all build on each other. The way a good workbook would, right? So you're going from um, making time to breathing to body positions to now, okay, now we have to work on your imagination. Mm. And imagination is not just visualization, but all the other senses as well. And that's when we have the um, exercises where, okay, now you need a partner so that they can hand you things or like yeah. touch you with a feather. So like, you know, what do you feel? You know, and all these things. So, um, yeah. And then, then he goes on to mantras. Which now mantras are great, dude. So did you do any of this? Because I, I have on my notes, Gemini, did you try this? Which is, when he starts to build visual, because of course he's going to go into all the senses now, so that you can yes. start building right, so your perceptions and your how how you sense things. But he starts with imagine a line, and I thought, yeah. damn, did you try to imagine a line? No, of course not. Okay, um, well, no. And now the I next did, chapter, <laughs> I did look at it. You know what the thing is? Is like that's that's the kind of shit that I love because I think. A lot of times we get into this, you know, you get a book and it's like, okay, visualize. And and even when they pick like, okay, let's do the easiest visualization possible. This is the easiest visualization possible. It really Imagine is. a line is the bare fucking minimum for like being able to visualize things. That like, sometimes I think witches overcomplicate the simple stuff. So to come in with this book and he's like, yeah, just think of just a line. Just start with a line. How thick is it? How, what color is it? What's the line? What, what's your line doing? Like, yeah, dude, imagine a period, right? Imagine just a little dot. Because it, <laughs> imagine an apple. What? It's like, no, I can't. I can't imagine an apple. So like as a witch, even if you're not into chaos magic, this that's the kind of shit that makes this book worthwhile. Imagine a fucking line. 
right? Maybe yeah. that's the step you take to then be able to visualize. And that's exactly what I was thinking as we were, I mean, there are other things in here as well that I think would help a witch, but especially that, because we've mentioned it before on the podcast with other books or other themes that we've talked about. And we're like, yeah, visualization is good. And, you know, which needs that so she can do spells and she could, how do you do that? And it never would have occurred to me to say, imagine a line. Like, I think we did the apple thing. Why did we start yeah. with an apple? Bitch, imagine a line. You know imagine what I mean? Line. Like, so, yeah. yeah, so this is this is a good example. You're right of why if you're not interested in chaos magic, but you're a witch, even if you're not starting out, this is going to help you just look at things differently. So and he does the same thing with like kinetic touch and like gesture because yeah. mudras like hand um, positions are really important in yoga and in like Eastern practice. OK, well, practice fucking waving wave how does that yeah. feel where's the energy going there right like you don't have to dive right into you know having your hand in like these very technical positions just fucking do something that is incredibly automatic to you yeah and 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 write it down and this is you know another thing i love about this book he straight up is like regularly grab your journal write down about yes. this in your journal what do you think about that in your journal right not even sometimes it's not even during the exercise he'll just say a thing and then be like you should put that in your journal. What do you think about that? Yeah. Love it. He'd be a good professor. I feel like he's, yeah. you know. He yeah. has professor energy for sure. This is a textbook. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like that's, this book is so big because I could literally teach a college level course on chaos magic using this book. Yeah. But we won't because no one wants us to. Unless so, they do. Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> Anyway, chapter six, God, I feel like, you know, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, how there's like 30 some odd chapters. So, um, okay. So chapter six is using cognitive science and L uh, neuro uh, linguistic programming and NLP in our magic. And I think the first time you see that, you're like, I got to use what with what? Yeah. Right? A little bit. Um, <laughs> um but it's it's really not that crazy. It's really about our experiences in the world. Yeah. And how we perceive the world and how we encode our experiences. So everything that we're doing is somehow going into our brains and being put somewhere. Right? Good yeah. experience, bad experience, scary experience, uh, enriching experience, things like that. And by using our by using our five senses, you can kind of tap into different memories. Which, and you know, he even really says cool. in this chapter, which I loved, and you know I highlighted, many mm -hmm. magic books assume a visual orientation. This can be a tremendous problem for people who do not work well with the visual modality. Yes. Magic can be worked from any of the senses. And in fact, I, this, I'm putting these two things together right now. Um, recently, recently while we're recording, not recently while this is airing, I have been... Um, I've been lighting my disintegration candle from Birkin Hair. And first of all, obsessed with that candle. Obsessed with it. I'm, it's my favorite. But I, I'm obsessed with it because I don't I don't know, right? I would have to do some some NLP and some cognitive science to like figure out where this connection came from. But when I light that candle, I am immediately in witch mode. Right? That the smell of that candle immediately opens me up in a way that like doesn't happen in a lot in like most other contexts so for me like that's what i would work with 
with the sense practice, I would work with disintegration and sort of try to journal, try to track, how can I use this to further my magic instead of being like, all right, I'm going to visualize something like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to imagine the smell of disintegration and then I'm going to do stuff. Well, you know, now that you said that, I'm thinking, and you should probably post that on Instagram, post that candle, people can see it. For me, to get into my, I don't know if you want to call it witchy mode, goth mode, whatever, Black Baccarat has two perfume oils that I am obsessed with. And I I don't even want to say them because now people are going to buy them. Uh, (laughs) One is absinthe. And Mm. I might wear that by itself. It's really good for spring and summer. But I like to layer it with Ancient Ones or Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. The minute that scent hits my nose, I am like, all right, what am I putting on? Now? Which fox blood dress am I putting on now? Mm-hmm. Or which, you know, whatever. Um, and also the texture when I put on those dresses, what does it feel like when you have a gown on? Think about yeah. like everybody who wears dresses knows the feeling of, okay, I'm just wearing like a little dress or, you know, yes. when you wear a maxi dress, Something else happens. I really feel like women are transformed. We're almost like goddess-like in our maxi dresses. There's a reason I exclusively wear pretty much maxi dresses, girl. <laughs> in fact, the, at the time we're recording this, uh, Mr. Gemini has been on like a trade show trip. Uh, and it is the first time probably in years that I have worn pants basically to work. I've worn leggings to work all week. Because mm-hmm. I just, it's, I'm so, like, energetically off that it's, like, I can't even put on the dress and, like, feel, like, it's just not, the vibes are weird. So I'm just, like, pants, fuck it, going to work. <laughs> but, yeah. So everything. So I'm just thinking, like, just everything that you do from yeah. if you're uh, a makeup witch, you know, what does it feel like when you wear certain colors on your nails? What does it feel like when yeah. you wear certain lipsticks? How do you feel? How do you walk when you're wearing one thing versus another? Right? My mood is definitely very different. If I am wearing um, Bewitched by Necromancy versus if I'm wearing Divine Flesh. So Divine yeah. Flesh is like this nude, dark nude. It's got a little kick to it. I can't explain it. And then Bewitched is this beautiful red, but it's not too deep. It's not carnal sin. It's like a lighter color, right? All these mm-hmm. things affect you when you're wearing all yeah. the, you know. So the sense is, I think if, let's say you're like, okay, I really don't have time for all these exercises. Do stuff like that. Figure yeah, out 100%. when are you wearing certain colors? What do those colors make you feel like? If you're a makeup witch, what does that feel like? You know? Um, Take the those exercises of like the five senses and apply them to the things you're already doing. Yeah. So what is the feeling of your makeup? What is the um, smell, right? Like some some lipsticks have a smell and they, I, I'm just, I just went into a place. I just went somewhere with that. Like, I, I want to say it was MAC. It was some, this was years ago, like this kind mm-hmm. of like bubblegummy, like sweet smell when you put on a lipstick and it just mm-hmm. makes, it just makes you feel fun. It just puts you in that headspace of like, I'm a cute bitch. I'm a, I'm a girly going on her little, you know, doing her little girly shit. Like, y- these things are already happening in our lives. Being aware of them is the difference. 
Yeah. And now that we've been talking about the beginning half of this book, the beginning five chapters or so, six chapters. Oh my God, we have so much more to go. 32 minutes. I do want to kind of just say, you know, to our listeners, I think we have to jump around this book because it is 35 chapters and 400 pages. I don't yeah. think that we can go chapter by chapter on this bad boy because we will we'll get through like not even half of them if we do. And I think there are some things in here in later chapters that are also really valuable for us to discuss. Okay, so I agree. Um, I think we can maybe, uh, I guess we can just sum it up. I'm trying to think, you know. I don't even think first... we need to sum it up. I think our listeners know that we want them to read this book and so they should go read this book. Yeah, you should read this book. No, I was just thinking like, okay. Yeah. So I don't mean, I didn't mean sum it up, sum it up. I just kind of thinking like we, we talked about chapter six using cognitive science, right? Chapter seven mm-hmm. is looking at ourselves. So that's all about looking, basically what we've been talking about, looking for patterns yeah. in your day. Chapter eight is conditioning success. And I really like this. I know we're trying to jump around, but I really like this because it's about how he says kicking your mind's ass and then giving it candy so this idea that you reward yourself and literally he means candy he doesn't mean like a metaphorical candy he meant like give yourself a chocolate if you like chocolate when Mm. you've started to do something so if you're trying to start um, a practice or a pattern in your practice try that try to condition yourself by rewarding yourself every time you do the thing that you wanted. So if you really want to do these exercises, maybe you give yourself whatever it is you like. Pavlov yourself. Pavlov yourself, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chapter nine. So there's several chapters that are like one, two, and threes. And one of them is about energy manipulation. And I was just going to talk about, like my mother actually taught me something like that, about rubbing your hands. Mm. Yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and then feeling like the energy in between your yes. hands, you know. So he talks about that. So if you've never tried that again, that's chapter nine. Um, creating your own banishing and banishing examples. Okay. So when we think of banishing as a witch, what is a banishing? We think about like getting rid of somebody. Yeah. Right. Or getting rid of something. And he's like, yeah, it's a, but he says it's a method of clearing the information out of your mind and priming yourself for the act of doing magic. So banishing for him is really kind of like getting your, just clearing your mind. It's like yeah. almost like after meditation, like you should be clear at that point to go and do it. So he calls it banishing. Like every and time he, he uses, talks about banishing. Yeah. He references a lot of different ways to banish that kind of, you know, it gives you the idea that like you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Right. So like Dr. Strangelove banishing, Patronus banishing. Yes. Um, there's a sword banishing, literally burning the garbage. I love this. Like, but he's really, a lot of these techniques really come down to just, just do it. And have fun do doing it. He keeps mentioning fun having it. fun doing it. Yes. So yeah, however you banish is totally up to you. Then chapter 11, I don't know how far you wanted. I'm well, assuming you wanted to talk about chapter 11 because i do think that this is something this is kind of where we start to synthesize right so he's given you the tools and now this this area energy manipulation vanishing trance is where we start to put it together because one i don't know that we've read a book that literally delineates the types of trance states in such a straightforward way 
right? The idea of like inhibitory trance, yeah. right? These are altered states that involve quieting the mind, focusing on a single thing or a, a memory trance or ecstatic trance, right? Excitatory, getting into a trance that makes you highly energetic. Like this is the kind of thing where like, this is the textbook part, but I think it's a useful textbook part because a lot of times I think in witchcraft, it's very, meditation is for relaxing, trance is for like sort of focusing in on one thing. And he's like, no, there's lots of other ways to do this. I feel There's like we have read about techniques. this, though. I feel like we have done another book. Is it consorting with spirits? Because that would be the only maybe, other place. <laughs> maybe. I don't I, remember. But I feel I like we have. you. Mm-hmm. Did consorting with spirits, like, change the vibe for you for this year? Because I feel like that's my, like, sw- switch flip book. Why you say that? And I don't know what you mean. I, I feel like consorting with spirits forced me to read in a different way. Because I read consorting with spirits and was like, I'm never going to do any of this shit, but he had that one section about, like, your your biases, and I was like, oh, damn, I need to be more aware of, like, where my biases are in witchcraft, and I think that every book after that I have come at differently because of that. Oh, okay. No. It didn't do that for me. <laughs> it That's didn't. Fine. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I kind of feel like he did... He's definitely talking about this in a different way, but I feel like we have done trances. But anyway, he starts out with why is trance needed in magic? Um, And he says, magic doesn't always seem to work, but a trance state does seem to be one of the most critical ingredients towards success. So for him, that could be why your magic doesn't work. Now, I agree with him. Not that I've ever done a trance state necessarily. Yeah. But... But I've done a trance state. In other words, I I don't think that I've called it that. But I think when my magic has really like worked and worked quickly, I have put myself into a trance state beforehand. I agree. And I think that's why for me this chapter was like so synthetic, uh, synthesized, why it synthesized, why it put things together so well, because Mm -hmm. I would never have used these words to describe the things that I do, but it absolutely describes the things that I do. Yeah, exactly. This is why I'm saying, like, you don't have to want to be a chaos magician to want to read this because it's going to help you look at your practice a little bit differently. Well, especially because he does a whole fucking section on sigils. Yes. You know I went there. You know I read those. (laughs) But that's not there. No, that's chapter 16, 17, and 18, and 19. Okay, so we're we're skipping. So anyway, he does energy manipulation. I don't think we have a choice. I think we have yeah, to. That's fair. We plan to, to put out a three-hour um, podcast. So I just want to go through it really fast. So yeah. after that chapter, you have energy manipulation two, just giving you more exercises. Um, then energy manipulation three, from practice to the manifestation of some practical effects in the material world. So he takes you from just, you know, the theory to like, okay, now how, see how this works. Chapter 15, energy manipulation four and practical shielding techniques. The only thing I want to say about that is that I really like something in that chapter. And that is, well, no one can affect your energy without permission from you. I live by that. Yeah. Have we discussed this on the podcast? I don't know if we have. Why? What are you going to say? I, I function. This is actually like an incredibly chaos magic thing that I'm going to say right now. Oh, okay. I, say it, girl. Um, say it. I just function in the world 
with the inherent belief that no one can do harmful magic on me and it works. Okay, no, we haven't discussed this on the podcast. Yeah, I just, just and like, I'm the kind of bitch who hexes, so like. I know, I think we all know. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like at this point. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, I just, I just function. It's, I, I, I refuse to even say, I was about to say under the assumption, it's not an assumption. It is my deeply held belief that like, you know, no, no weapon turned against you shall prosper. Like it just, it, it can't, it can't happen. Um, and so like when we talk about like all the bad, all the ridiculous shit that's happening in my life, my immediate response, no, this is not, no, nobody else did this. This is the universe teaching me a lesson and I'm learning that lesson and we're going to move on from it. But like I, I simply do no one. It's I, I don't want to say I don't believe because it's not a belief. It cannot happen. So I have different things, guides. I don't know what you want to call them that I feel like protect me. Mm -hmm. And aside from you, um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, seriously, we're getting into the warmer weather and we're going to be out and about. And, you know, just a warning for people. You could like you could talk trash to Gemini to her face and she'll be like, oh, screw that. I don't care. But if you laugh. see me, like, if, some, <laughs> if someone gives me just the slightest side eye, you're getting hexed because she'll be crazy and she'll be crazy the entire ride home. I will be. Yeah, I know. You listen, you just don't like. <laughs> we but know. Maybe you should also just hold the inherent belief that magic can only work in your benefit and then you won't have any problems. Right. Now, I actively work on protection for myself. Like, I, I, I don't know if that's the same thing as having the belief that nothing can harm me. I just feel like I have done this for so long that nothing's yeah. going to get through to me. Um, but I also send love out, which yeah. I know you're going to be like, what, who, to, if anybody's sending me trash, because it's energy and energy, yeah. come on, scientists, you, you can't do what to energy? It cannot be created or destroyed. It can but only it can change be. forms. Exactly. And that's what I do. So I take that yeah. and I'm like, I'm changing the form and I'm shooting you back with it. And if you don't want it, let it go to somebody who could use the good energy and the love. And that's why I just kind of feel like that's how I feel like nothing's you know going to come is. at me. You know what it is. It's it's that it's that idea of uh, nobody's energy can do anything to me without my permission. Right. It's very much that sentence because like, yeah, if I if I let somebody, how am I going to say this obliquely? Yeah, I can let somebody hurt me 100%. Yeah. But it's my fault. Energetically. Right. right. And not, yeah. not in a literal sense, but in an energetic right. sense. Oh, yeah. No. Um, and I think that that's kind of like, I, we've said this already a couple of times. I think that's the vibe of this book is like putting into succinct, understandable language things that we already kind of understand. So when we talk about sigils, he's putting it into this succinct, understandable language that, like, pfft, I loved. This idea of, like, you can you can cast magic to attract a super sexy bombshell or, like, a Calvin Klein model. But, like, is that is that going to work? Probably not. Right? One, those people don't exist, which I loved. Thank you for pointing that out, sir. They don't exist. It's all lighting and, and cameras and stuff. Yeah, Photoshop. But also, like, 
are they even people? Right? Are you even no. asking for a person at that point? So this idea of like the key to sigil magic being specific, but being real. I think it's helpful to know what this stuff is, even though he goes into it. Because he defines what a sigil is. Yes. Um, but I just think knowing knowing and working with sigils first would be a good idea before delving into what he... I think, before you delve into yeah. what he's doing. I think he... Like, this first... When we talk about sigil one, he's covering what I think is the most traditional sigil crafting method... Which is yes. like write your sentence, take out the vowels, change up the structure, etc. Then change the drawing. Um, he talks about making a mantra out of the sigil, which I think is a new step. I'm going to do that 100% stealing it. He talks about making drawings like artwork sigils. He talks about doing them automatically. These are all very useful sigil techniques. And then he goes, all right. Well, we've learned all this shit about NLP and um, Pavloving yourself. Bring that now. Okay. Sigils too. Okay. Enchant things. Right. Right. <laughs> he references Grant Morrison, who is a comic book artist. If you're into comics, you've definitely heard about him. Um, you could be weird with your sigils. Right. You, you can have fun with your sigils. Literally and metaphorically. What got me was Sigil 3, which was scrying sigils. And I was like, scrying sigils? What is he I talking know, right? about? So it's like, I just didn't think like I could scry four sigils. And then, you know, when we think of scrying, which is another reason why I think you need to know something about a couple of these yes. things. Uh -huh. But when I think of sigils and you're thinking about getting messages, like that's the whole point of scrying. Um, but it never would have occurred to me to get it. And it's not just the traditional way of like, okay, I'm going to look into water or an obsidian or whatever and try to get a scrying dish and try to get an image. He also talks about different ways. And the one exercise I did try was glossa. How can I say Glossolalia. Thank you. Glossolalia. So I didn't get very far because I didn't think my husband was coming in, coming home. And then mm -hmm. I lost track of time. So there I am. Well, let's talk about what it is. So first of all, it's kind of like like speaking in tongues, like just speaking nonsense, right? Yeah. But first you have to banish, right? You have to do all these steps. Then you get to the point where you just start speaking in tongues and go fast, go slower. Eventually a mantra, a sigil, something will come out. I didn't get that far and I was feeling very self-conscious as I was doing it. Like there was just something about it that just yeah. felt very weird about just speaking nonsense. But I want to try it because, again, yeah. it's not something that I have ever seen or heard anybody talk about. So I thought that was really good. And then in Sigil 4, he talks about, okay, take all of this shit that we've done and now use these sigils as anchors, as basically different keys to your subconscious. So you can then unlock different trance states using different sigils or methods of sigilology right and, and that's fucking genius yeah it's brilliant because you're gonna need different sigils for different things different modes for different things so it's just nice to have a sigil to be able to open it i'm telling you i want to do all these i, I have to do uh, yeah. this yeah we may have to do a follow-up to this um 
to this yeah, if episode. If you guys are interested in like what we actually end up doing, yeah, let us know. It will take a while. I mean, like I For said, sure. I'm not planning on doing any of this till summer. Like I, I did a couple of exercises in here. I'm not going to lie, but you know, they were kind of random and all over the place. I wasn't expecting to get the results. I know you have to go through everything from the beginning. The way he yeah. sets it up is beautiful. I plan to go from the beginning, but you know, you, you want to jump in sometimes. So yeah, yeah so I would let like us to know. buy a matching notebook to do like, to have like a journal that goes with the book. It's like, you guys will see on the Instagram, but it's like a bright green cover. Yeah. I just want to get something like really weird looking so that I can put everything in the journal. That's a good point. When I go through it. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. So we still have a lot of chapters to go. Oh my God. I know there's so Um, much book. So there's intro to talisman work and talks about different ways to make talismans. And he even talks about the fact that when you start doing all this stuff, it can get really expensive. And we've mentioned this before. Yes. And he says, go to the grocery store. What have they got that you can use there? So again, mm-hmm. any author that says stuff like that, I'm always like, thank you so much because people shouldn't be going out there. Things are so expensive now to be running around and buying all this stuff. Well, and I think also what we need to recognize in this chapter is that like a talisman, he's not just talking about a necklace. Yeah. He's not just talking about earrings. Like he literally one of these sections is washes and baths, powders and gestures. You can like... He's talking about a method of doing magic that is applicable to multiple different physical items. Right. And that, I think, is more useful to a witch reading this than here is how you make this specific key with, like, this, you know, wax seal for such and such, whatever. Like, this is applicable in so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Then he goes to basic sympathetic magic. And he even mentions, um, well, I'm mentioning it, you know, the whole idea of dolls and people. Mm-hmm. And of course, he does get into, you know, get a piece of the person, use a piece of the person. I don't do that, but I do use dolls when it comes to um, healing work. And that's from Reiki. That's distance Reiki, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Then Every he goes once in-, in a while. Yeah. So he calls a lot of these exercises games, which I mm-hmm. think is very cute. In this chapter, he does refer to one as blood, spittle, and sexual fluid games. And I was like, that's gross. Yeah. Um, so just like, you know, emotionally prepare for that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, you should. Um, then basic magical tools. And this chapter I really loved. So why did I love it? First, he says anything can be a tool. And we've Hell said yeah. that. Yes. But then he talks about how do you find your tool? And, you know, if somebody says to me, how do you find a tool? I go, well, I don't know. I check one of the witch stores first and I see what to yeah. do. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. you just go. And he does mention like a Wicca has certain things like blah, 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 like an athame. OK, but he says to find your tool. First of all, banish. Right. So clear mm-hmm. your head, be ready, do your breathing, all that stuff. And then imagine the magic you want to create. So you need to do, I don't know what, you want to get a job. You want to get a new job. So what tools do you think you might want to use to get that job? In other words, you have to almost manifest, imagine, you could draw it out. There's so many different ways that he says that you can create an idea for this tool. And then you got to figure out, can I make it or do I need mm-hmm. to buy it? And if you can make it, make it. 
If you yeah. need to buy it, then buy whatever you need to have this tool that you can use. Um, then he goes on to talk about how tools serve as... God, I can't read. Oh, I got it. I couldn't read my handwriting. Tools serve, because I knew there was a phrase he used, energy batteries. And I really, really like that, or energy banks. So this mm-hmm. idea that once you have a tool and you use it a bunch of times, right, you're kind of like imbuing it with all this energy. So if at one point you don't even have the energy to do something, yeah, you can take it out of the bank. You can take it out of the tool. Let the tool do the energy because you've put so much energy into it that this tool now can have it. And I think Wiccans have always known that. Like if you use your wand a lot, you use your athame a lot, like you're using it for the same purposes every single time. You're not using, this is why they tell people, you know, don't use your witch tools for something else. Why? Because the energy that's putting in, you can use. And after a while, just picking up a tool, and I think this happens a lot to us. I think the most common thing, because we use it outside of ritual, would be our divination tools. Like when you pick Which, up your divination tools that you've used a lot, you can feel the energy out of these tools. And I think 100%. I think that's where the superstition came in of don't let anybody touch your cards. Anybody can touch your cards. It doesn't matter. But I think it's this idea that you've put all this energy. This is like your little energy battery or energy mm-hmm. bank that you might need. So do I really want somebody else touching it? Maybe draining my battery? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. But no one's actually explained it like that the way he did. So when he said that, because I really am, you know, I, I've let everybody, everybody, everybody know, but I've let people touch my divination cards. And after I read this, I went, yeah, I'm going back to nobody touches it but me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, so I really like that. Well, and I guess for me, it's like, like, I would let you touch my cards because if, if you put your energy in my bank, that's fine. I can use that. But if somebody yeah. else is putting energy in the bank and then it's like this useless freaking block of energy that's in there that then I have to cleanse the whole thing to make space for the energy I actually want to put in there, like hard pass. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. And then he, he talks you- about in the next chapter divination and using different divination tools. Yeah. And he has the, you know. uh, the divination energy game. Yeah. Which you know what? Sorry, I cut you off. I just, no, I just love divination. That's just like a, I just wanted to share that. I just love it. It just makes me feel good. Even when it doesn't help us at all. God, even when it doesn't help us at all. But. Did we talk about this on the podcast? I don't know if we did. Sometimes being a witch is bullshit. I gotta tell you. Sometimes being a witch, like sometimes... Because here's my problem, right, is I sometimes I'm like, I deserve to be powerful enough that the things I want to happen, happen. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it works. Right. Um, and it's never how it works. And I'm mad about it. We want it to be a little bit like the movies. That would make yeah. things. So Gemini's been losing things. We don't have to go over what they are, but she's been losing, losing things. Losing everything. So here's the thing. I'm usually like really good at just like finding stuff. So I have not been able to find any of her shit. Like, and it's making me really, I got mad. I got mad. And I'm sure something's going to come back to me. But I was just like, where the fuck? Like, I actually asked the question like that. Where the fuck is Gemini's blank? Because I was like, I'm done. Like, hey, can you talk to us and tell us and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Well, I it's not like the movies. Literally, I think I posted it on the feed. Literally got padded rooms as an oracle card in response to me asking a bunch of questions about where my shit was. So it was sort of like, yeah, it. bitch, you're not, you're you're not getting that. You're being a little crazy right now. It's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Because again, the universe is teaching me a lesson. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm gonna learn it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna learn it. So that leads us to chapter 25. And how does he start chapter 25? Chapter chapter 25 is invocation theory. He actually says, after 24 chapters, we're getting to spirits. So he acknowledges it. Like, I took you to 24 chapters. So if you think, oh, I'm going to skip, really think about it. This is a guy who is very experienced. And he's taking Mm -hmm. you through 24 chapters, which is why I'm saying, will I get to invocation theory by the end of summer probably not this is yeah. this is quite a book but anyway so that's when he starts talking about the calling on spirits and what it is and this is where i start really relating it back to consorting with spirits this is where i sort of see the the connection between sorcery and chaos magic mm-hmm. yeah in this chapter yeah yeah so after, after he's got invocation theory and all the things that you have to do, I also like, well, maybe we shouldn't skip. Well, yeah, I'm looking at the time going, oh, God. No, we have to, to skip. Stuff. Definitely skip. <laughs> okay, so we're skipping that. Here's another thing. We did this with the young book. And funny enough, no one took us up on it. I guess nobody wants us to, no one, no one wants to hear our take on the rest of the young book. But That's fine. I'm going to throw the same thing out for this book. If anybody um, says, hey, can you go over, I don't know, especially if you get the book and you're like, we'll be happy to do like a part two. Maybe we'll do like a special podcast for people who are interested because, yeah, we're looking at the time and this is as far as we got. There's still at least 100 pages left. Yeah. Um, Okay. So he does talk about not just invoking spirits, starting a conversation it's also about how to use tools with them so Mm -hmm. everything that he's kind of again the 24 chapters before now he's going to use them to start talking about different theories and of course there's several because there's also the part two which is all about he calls it the advanced stuff so it's about setting aside your ego and things like that like working on yourself before you start like a really deep invocation um then you have after that, you have invocation energy work, group work, and talisman work. I think you should definitely not be doing group work. Uh, I mean, you should listen. If you have a group, you can do a group. But I do think that, like, there's a reason that group work is, like, chapter 27 or whatever. <laughs> because it is the more complex version. Um, you know, okay. talking about, I'm- like, invocational transference. Yeah. I just want to say something about this chapter. So part of the chapter, it goes, the imaginary best friend approach, which he says, one of the easiest ways to create an entity, you want to invoke something, is just just act like it's already there. In other words, you're not mm-hmm. like trying to invoke and go, are you there? And then like waiting for something to like knock on the door or something, right? So it's just to, at some point, just act like it's there. And I've been doing that my whole life. Literally, I have been doing that my whole life. Like, as a mm-hmm. child, I talk to things 
that my mother called my imaginary best friend, we've already said on the podcast, apparently I talked to spirits when I was young. As an adult, I will talk, I don't necessarily go, well, at least in the beginning, I didn't. I wasn't like, if I call on my ancestors, I'm not like, okay, I'm waiting to feel you, I'm waiting to hear you, I'm waiting to whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, I would just be like, I need you here. And I would say that a couple of times when I'm in ritual, and then I'm like, okay, so let me tell you what's going on. I just act like they're already there. So when I saw that in the book, I thought that just makes a lot of sense because here's the thing. If you've done the steps, or even if you haven't done the steps, I didn't do all these steps when I started doing stuff like that. But if you're doing the steps as a witch, you're doing your work, whatever your work is, Mm -hmm. and you start this, I do think they will come. I do think if you are aware enough, if you have protected your space enough, only the people that you have called will enter. Only the entities that you are looking for will enter. The idea of really protecting your space, really knowing who you are and what it is you want, being very concrete about what it is you want, I think that it will work. So seeing that written by somebody who has so much experience made me feel really good, made me feel like, okay, like that's not a crazy way to do things. Um, I'm sorry, is there another chapter I feel like, I mean, just talisman work? Yeah, the group work, forget it. I, I just, I don't have patience. I think when we get to the end of the book, on the one hand, the end of the book is like the part of the book that matters the most, probably yeah. because it's the it's like the this is the high level stuff. This is like the two o two or the the three o one class, um, but at the same time, it's the stuff that I'm going to use the least. So like, if we did do a follow up on this, it's the stuff I'm going to talk about the least. Okay, and I feel the other way. I feel like in the beginning, I'm going to use the first part of the book, but once you've mastered all the stuff that we talked about. And maybe this is a good Mm -hmm. way to end, let's say a part one, if we were going to do a part two to this book, maybe this is a good way to end. Because this is all the important work that you need to get to before you get to chapter 25. You can't do chapter 25 and beyond unless you do that. And I think you're going to do chapters one to 24 until you've mastered them. And I think once you've mastered it, the rest of your time will be spent. That's why I'm saying like, I think the rest of my time will be spent towards the end of the book once I've yeah. already mastered what I want to do in the beginning of the book. So I think that for right now, yeah, it's the stuff that you're going to use the least because you haven't gone through chapters one to 24. And like you said, he wants you to do the exercises multiple times and you will know. I think you know, especially yeah. like we just said, this is not a beginner's book for a beginner witch. You know when you've gotten something. So once you're like, yeah, I got this, this is good that's when you start the next thing yeah i yeah i think actually breaking this down into sort of it's almost two books it's one through 24 and then 25 to 35 yeah i hope somebody's interested yeah Yeah. in like a part two or like a follow-up maybe we do like an instagram live or something because i just i there's a lot in here that we need to try yeah I mean, there's a lot that reading through the book, you go, okay, I, I get this, I get this. But you're right, until you've actually done the steps, to be fair to the second half of the book, I mean, it's not even half, it's only 10 chapters versus 24. But to be fair to that part of the book, you do need to do the steps in the beginning so that when you read it and you start doing things, you're like, yeah, okay, this makes a lot of sense. So. You know what? I say we just do a part two anyway. I think that it's something. It doesn't yeah, have to even be it. this year. We can come back to this yeah. next year. Because again, 
I don't know that I'm going to get to do all these exercises just by the summer. Yeah. This might take me a while. So you know what? Scratch that. Uh, if you didn't we're want a part, doing two, a part two, <laughs> we're doing a part two. <laughs> so yeah. it. So I think you can guess that we loved it a lot. Yeah. This is. Yeah, this I feel is like I have shit. to do like a a personal apology to Chaos Magic because this book truly made me love Chaos Magic. Yeah. But you're right. I think it just gets a bad rap. Like he even mentioned, you know, when you're talking about voodoo, what Hollywood has done to it. And I think the same way you have certain key figures in ceremonial magic that have kind of like soured people to say, I don't want to follow that guy. But it's a new time. It's 2021 book. Different person who we hope is okay. Because we haven't yeah. done a deep Fingers five. crossed. Um, so, yeah, if you find anything that's not good, then there won't be a part two. But, you know, so far, it looks like he's a good guy. And um, look for a part two as soon as we are able to actually do the work into the first 24 chapters. Yeah. Surprising. I don't think I wasn't expecting this when I got no, that book. No, no, I, I expected to hate this book. I really, truly did. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that I was wrong. And in case you're wondering, it's another Llewellyn book. And we got it at Catland Books in Brooklyn. We actually Again. both got it at Catland this time. Yeah. I the bookstore that doesn't know who we are, but we love them anyway. And uh, we just shop there. So, And we encourage you guys to shop there when you can because again they have online delivery actually you should follow them on instagram you should follow us on instagram but they're hilarious over the weekend they will post these memes that are just so so damn funny they are ridiculous some of them are inappropriate and that's what makes them even funnier but if you scroll through them on their actual posts at the end you'll get a surprise because when they have a sale that's where they'll put it. So you have yes. to go through all the memes and all of a sudden the last thing will be like, hey, we have a whatever sale and we'll give you like I got a crystal and I got a pin that was nice. part of the sale. Yeah. You know, and so they'll offer different things and of course a discount or free shipping or something. So, yeah, check them out because they're a great witch store, a great resource and, you know, funny memes. You got to follow them on Instagram or you're not going to get the deals. We are hyping up Catland, but I do we we do also have to say you should also probably try to buy from your own local witch shops as much as yes. possible. Yeah. Um, we're just lucky that our sort of local witch shop is like hilarious and like meme lords. But yeah. if there's someone closer to you, like we want to make sure that the community is still being supported. Um, and if not, you should just like come to New York. You know, stop well, where I mean, they we also... stop by Brooklyn. Yeah, Brooklyn. Um, and get tattooed while you're there and then go have some delis- delicious vegan food at a uh, modern. <laughs> God. That, that part of Brooklyn is just it's like everything we need. I get a tattoo. I go to Catland and yeah. I get some food. You don't need anything else. Right. That's all you need in Brooklyn. But True. we also have Modern Druid who has books and yes. I have gotten books and Modern Druid as well. It's just at Catland Books. It's in the name like they have a really extensive list yeah. of books. So, you know, that's probably why we hype them up more than anybody else, just because what don't they have? And what's really nice when you go online is that they have it grouped by different things. So if you want to look at like yes. Latina things, or you want to look at LGBTQ books, like it's they just you could look at them so many different ways. So, yeah, Catland really gives like which library. Yes. In a way that like I think a lot of other witch stores don't because other witch stores are more focused on like which stuff. 
Whereas Catland right. is like, we have the books. Yeah, they're the opposite of witch shops. Like witch shops have a lot of a bunch of stuff and some books. Catland yes. has all the books and some witch stuff. So yeah. you can still buy things there. You can still get, you know, herbs and, you know, other things, but incense and uh, divination stuff. So it's it's a proper witch store, but the focus is on books. Yeah. Yeah. So this was good. Good deal. And of course, once you follow Catland, you need to follow us at Witch Space Co. Um, because, you know, we want to hear from you. And we do ask, like, we, we talk to you guys on Instagram. We ask a lot of stuff. We do polls. You know, we try to get feedback there as much as possible because it is a hub of our community. Uh, you can also email us at witchspaceco at gmail.com. Um, that's great for, like, really long stuff. If you have, like, lengthy conversation, you should email us. If you go to any events in the Lower Hudson Valley that we're at, you should say hello to us. Uh, we love to see you guys and to interact with you. And we don't have to talk about any events because they're not coming out. We're going to be at the Summer Solstice event for Moon Serpent and Bone on June 16th. So, Very and we're doing something it. and we're doing something kind of special, but we're not going to announce it yet. We'll announce it when it's closer. Next podcasters too. You will hear about it on the Summer Solstice special podcast for Moon Serpent and Bone. And I hope you guys are, you know, I hope you enjoyed Astara and I hope you enjoy this one as well because we really are trying to make these podcasts as value added as possible for our audience. So if you can come, there will be information about the event. But if you can't, it's still going to be a really useful podcast for you to listen to and, and get information from. And also because, you know, aside from the market, it's just nice to kind of get back to stuff that we used to do. We used to talk yeah. about, right, season one, like talking about all the different Sabbaths. So it's just kind of nice to pick a couple and go, all right, what can you do for the summer solstice? Yeah. Also, because I love the summer solstice. People think, oh, no, she must love Beltane the most because it's just like Samhain. And yeah, mm -hmm. I do. But I don't know. I'm psyched. Maybe because I'm a teacher and school is ending and it's warm. <laughs> yes. Right? And it's <laughs> just like it's a time to just... You just want to be in community. You just want to see people yeah. and, and hang and not be excessively tired the way we are all year long. So it's just, Preach. it's beautiful. So yeah, so we're excited to do those mini podcasts that bring us back to our roots and also talk about, and I love having Amy on them. I just Always. think it's such a cool vibe. She's just amazing. Yeah. So yeah, so stay tuned for that. Thank you for being the most amazing audience, for giving us the opportunity to make this podcast and for listening to it. Thank you, of course, to Conwin Moore for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. Mm -hmm.